Hi everyone, welcome to the part two of the Lee Plus W MBA interview with Sydney Colson. Sydney, thank you so much for making the time for this. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good to talk to you again. Awesome. So <laughs> we'll start with the random rapid fire questions that I literally Googled. <laughs> and um since this is all new for me, like the podcast thing, and I'm still learning, and I was thinking like, oh, there are usually some rapid fire questions in the podcast that I listen to. And I'm like, okay, like what questions should I ask? And then I literally Googled, and I really like the super, super random ones. And I thought like, okay, like mine will be like not serious and not related to the interview at all. <laughs> so... We'll start with those, and then we continue with where we left off last time. So are you ready for the rapid fire? I am. Okay. So the first one is, if you could talk to the president, what would you talk about? And by the president, I mean our <laughs> former president, because I know you have a picture on your Twitter uh, where you are uh, meeting President Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. So this is not a theoretical hypothetical question so my question mm -hmm. is like what did you talk about oh um when i met him i like told my grandma that i was going and um at that time my grandma was like 60 something um so obviously him being elected was a, a huge deal um for african americans like especially for people her age um, who'd lived through a lot. So she was really excited and was like, when you see him, tell him to give, tell him to give him hell. <laughs> so <laughs> I shook his hand and I, I told him that like, oh, thanks for having us here. And it was like when he was going to be up for uh, re-election, like soon he was going to, um, yeah, I think it's 20, 2011 or maybe it was early 2012. When we visited um so i was like my grandma said to give him hell and he was like you tell her you tell her i sure will so i went back <laughs> and told her and she was <laughs> excited about that mm, that's nice um how long does it take you to get ready in the morning uh it depends on what i'm doing but just to like finish the essentials which is like washing your face brushing your teeth using the bathroom mm, you know like 15 minutes and getting dressed. Okay. If it's something more if it's, I mean, extra. I guess it's usually, it's usually, wor it's usually working out in the morning. So I'm going to just say like 15 minutes to do those mm -hmm. things. Okay. That's fast. Um, what did you eat for breakfast? Um, nothing yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you skip breakfast or... Um, no, I usually will have a smoothie. Just eat it later if you haven't had it. No, first. usually earlier than this, I just hadn't done it because I hadn't left to go to the gym yet because mm. I knew we were having this. So I waited. <laughs> I see. Um, well, thanks for making the time again. Um, <laughs> if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Um, well, I'm going to visit Africa at some point just to... Um, go back to the motherland. <laughs> That's why. My roots are there. 
I just don't know exactly where. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, how many keys do you have on your key ring? Too many. Probably like seven for my brother's house and my mom's house in my apartment. Um, and then like two of them, I don't, I don't remember what they belong to. So I could probably get rid of them. <laughs> okay. All right, so we'll uh, continue with where we left off last time, and we started talking about the gender pay gap in um, professional basketball. And um, I usually uh, <laughs> that obnoxious person that asks, like, "How much do you make?" And my mm -hmm. boyfriend always uh, rolls his eyes and is like, "Again, like you did it again." <laughs> well, But the the funny thing is that. Um, In Russia, it, where, where I'm from, it used to be very common. Like people, it was like totally okay or like quote unquote normal. And people like had no reservations about asking you like literally like how much do you make? <laughs> like what is your yeah. salary? And mm -hmm. then uh, we always had these articles just like in like lifestyle magazines about like um, cultures in different countries. And of course, like in the Western Europe and in the U.S., And um, there would be all these articles about, like, talking about the, the U.S. and how um, it's very, like, taboo and, like, very uh, uncommon to ask that question or, like, nobody asks that question. And I think it kind of, like, from those articles, it transferred to Russia where, like, these days people don't ask that question <laughs> anymore yeah. yeah so it's kind of interesting but um, at the same time I think the trend is starting uh, for example there was an article in the New York Times um, talking specifically about women it's like mm -hmm. do you talk to your friends about your salary like you should because um, when we go like, you know women are uh, still underpaid uh, compared to men in like pretty mm -hmm. much every industry um, in the US and in the world and the 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 article or like I think again like the trend in the uh, current world is that if you do go negotiate your raise or your salary or like during your job interview process during your hiring process then you should go there informed with data points um, that come like some of them um, you know data points could be like from internet from online but it also could be your friends right like your data mm -hmm. sources so that you go and form and then you can negotiate for yourself for that better equal pay so let's talk about that how much does a basketball player make <laughs> well i mean it's such a it's a now a wide range with our cba um what is so CBA? a collective bargaining agreement so mm -hmm. we just signed a new cba Um, into place and um, I'm not sure what the most is maybe like in the 50 50,000 and then the highest now I think is 200 or 215 maybe 215 so like a pretty a pretty big gap but that's the range mm -hmm. what does it depend on um, whether or not you're a rookie like if you're on a rookie then um for three years like your salary will go up each year um but not like a tremendous amount so you have to you know like be in a certain 
range. Like a rookie can't make the max. Um, but I believe in their fourth year, they have an option to to get like a much higher salary. Um, and then, yeah, it depends on how you play, uh, the amount of space that a team has left to pay you. Like if you're trying to move to a new team, um, you know, like how much do they have left till they hit their cap, their salary cap. And um, yeah, I'd say, you know, so it's, it's depending on your play and how much a team feels like they need you, what they feel like you're going to bring to their team. Just like other jobs, I feel like they, it's like the value that they place on you being there. Mm. So you go through the same negotiation process where like they offer you a number and then you um, negotiate if you do, right? And then like, yeah. Okay, right. I see. All right, so let's talk about NBA. What are the numbers for the I NBA do. I players? don't know. I don't actually know, to be perfectly honest. I just <laughs> not. It's uh, a lot more <laughs> than us. I think, mm-hmm. like, they're high, they're the lowest paid player, I think, is like 800000 a year. And I might even be wrong on that. Maybe it's still at $1 million, but I think that's something that I read not that long ago. That's for a rookie player? Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'm guessing so. Just like mm-hmm. the lowest paid player in the league. Okay, that's so it's what, that's what they make. 50K for a WNBA player and 800K for an NBA player. Yeah. That's significant. Very. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah why is that? Like, like and like, what, what are the current um, trends, I guess? Because, you know, like uh, just recent as of like, uh, last few days, the conversations about the um, women's U.S. soccer team and the the equal pay rate, and I think like um, in professional um, athletic world, like that conversation is definitely starting. So, what's what's the current um, status of that conversation in the professional basketball? Um, right now I think uh, just like I was saying we just signed a new CBA in place so we opted out of our last CBA because players felt like there were a lot of things about the league that should change and that could be better and obviously pay is like a really a really big one Um, so like what the women's team is doing and what other women's professional leagues are doing is similar to what we asked for. And, um, yeah, I think the, you asked about the difference between the women and men, like a big part of it, I think is that, um, more money is poured into the NBA. And so we're talking about like ticket sales and, jerseys being purchased and other apparel and gear um so the amount of money that goes in and their revenue is so great that like WNBA players were never under the assumption that we should be making what they make because uh, a lot of us understand math and if we're not bringing in a ton then you you know like you won't be able to just get that amount of money um 
that would be too much of a loss for the league. But what we believe is that we should be paid for the work that we're doing and it should be more than what we were getting. Um, and they're just like a lot of other factors that go into it, like the way that we travel, um, the overall player experience, like our safety and health. And yeah, so things just had to be altered for us to feel like things were moving in a better direction. Mm-hmm. All right, so everyone should go to the WNBA games and buy jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, uh, where where do you, can people buy your jersey online? Where do they go? Um, good question. I don't, I don't think I think it would have to be customized. Like I think they have some on some teams. They have like certain players' names on the jersey. I think if you want to get a player whose name isn't already like pre-made on a jersey, I think you have to customize it. I'm guessing you need to go to the WNBA website and it would. It but would uh, like, can you buy a Colson jersey? Online? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you have to you you probably have to customize it. And I'm going to a new team now, so I'm not on the same mm-hmm. team as last year. Mm-hmm. All right, congrats, by the way. On thank on you. <laughs> All right, so um, let's talk about the off season, which uh, and the last um, last time you mentioned that that's. Uh, the reason that um, WNBA players go to play overseas to supplement the income. And mm-hmm. um, I heard in a conversation with a non-basketball um, player or non, like a, a person who has like nothing to do with the WNBA or like mm-hmm. professional sports. But she told me that uh, the players make like half a million dollars overseas. And I was like, what? So I like mm-hmm. literally thought she probably like mixed up some numbers because like she, again, she, she has like literally nothing to do with the professional sports, but like, mm-hmm. okay, like let, let, let's talk about that. Is that like half a million dollars? Uh, I mean, some players have, some players have made more. It depends on where you're going to play, like the amount of money that team has, the league has. Um, wow. Like what's yeah, the so- r- richest league overseas? Uh, I'm not positive, to be honest. I think, like, maybe China and Russia and, I don't know, Turkey, certain teams there. I'm not I'm not positive, to be honest, but I think, you know, like, those are where some of the bigger-name players from America mm-hmm. go play, so. So, we mean basketball games there are a lot more popular? Um, I think... I'd say so. Uh, yeah, I think they might be. Um, mm-hmm. But I also so, haven't been to some of these countries, you know, to see like their games. So I don't know what the fan support is like. But I think overseas, like, like in America, you don't the the crowd is beginning to change. Like you're starting to get more young people watching and more like NBA players going to games so that garners more attention from other fans who maybe didn't respect the league. But overseas, I feel like like all age groups go to games. I feel like it's just like a family outing for some people, you know, to go watch a basketball game, whether it's men's or women's. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are upset or I guess um, – 
that's what I'm reading like on Twitter and Instagram that uh, because of the coronavirus, all the major sports leagues canceled their games and their seasons and kids are out of school as well. So <laughs> parents well, are frustrated. It's like no games to watch. Kids are at well, home driving me crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is my life. Um, so where, like what countries did you play? Where did you go? I went to um, Poland and Israel. I was in Poland for a few years and then Israel for just one year. Mm-hmm. And what, what's that experience is like? How many months are you there? Like what happens when you arrive? Like do you have any time to explore the country? Um, you have some time. I mean, there aren't like consecutive off days in a row usually. So you'll have one off day and you can choose to do, you know, what you want on it. Um, but unless there's a break in the season, there's not a ton of time to travel. And some people structure it though, like at the end of the season, they'll um, go to some places, visit some places before they go back home or before training camp starts for the WNBA. But some leagues vary. I think when I was in Israel, that league was like four or five five months I was there. Uh, and then in Poland, it was like seven. Um, yeah, so when you arrive, someone from the team picks you up and you know take you to where you're staying. And generally, you'll have practice like the next day because we usually show up um, after the teams have already started their preseason workouts. Americans are rarely there for, or at least WNBA players at least, because the 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 leagues will overlap. So you finish your WNBA season and then. You know, your agent may have already asked for you to have, like, some sort of break before you have to go overseas. So you take a couple of days and then you leave. Maybe you don't have any days, but you get there and you're kind of right into the swing of a of another season. How do you adjust to a new team? Um, I mean, for me, I usually don't have a problem. I get along with people and, um, you know, sociable and talkative enough and we'll make some efforts to like understand some words in the language I didn't go like all out for Polish trying to trying to learn it because I didn't think that I would really use it anymore um or Hebrew but you know just to have some basic conversation with the or like at least be able to say good morning hi how you doing to to your teammates that don't speak English um so and then basketball wise you you all kind of speak the same language. You've been playing basketball for a little while, so that adjustment usually shouldn't be, like, that difficult. So how do you give, um, I don't know, like, signs to each other on the court during the game? Is it all in English? Or? Yeah, like, you call – well, usually there are hand signals you do to call the plays, or you practice enough where if I'm saying something in English, then they know at this point what, what the play is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, usually there are hand signals to make it make it easier. Mm-hmm. So, what are the highlights of uh, for you of that experience, like living in other countries and playing in other countries? Mm, I think just seeing how other cultures do things and how people like interact with their day to day life looks like, how they get around, how they live. Um, you know, like you could tell. If, you know, maybe like the 
the infrastructure in some places isn't as great. They don't have a lot of money there or something, but people still, you know, seem happy and appreciate life. Um, you know, just traveling, going to like farmers markets right near where you live is, you know, that's what people, how people make their money. Um, so yeah, supporting local stuff like that, and just traveling to other places like you'd ask, going to some other countries that are nearby because when you're in Europe, that's easier to do than when you're in the States. You can like hop on a train and be in another country in a couple hours. Um, so yeah, that part, that part of it is pretty cool. And would you, like, who would you hang out with? Would you make friends with your like local team or did you hang out with locals or other expats or like what, how um, did no, you I didn't hang out your with life when you were overseas? How did I what? Structure your social life when you were overseas. I'm not really like big on a social life, to be honest. Like I'm a very low maintenance and chill kind of person. And I like to, you know, like I like to be around people, but also am fine with being alone and like watching TV or movies or reading or journaling, like writing out skit ideas. So I'm, I'm, I wasn't like pressed to be <laughs> finding people to hang out with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I hung out with my teammates some, and then when I was in Israel, I had roommates there, and we had a neighbor who um, invited us over, and she made like some traditional Israeli dishes. Um, so that was nice. You do all, another time when I was in Poland, there was a a family who would have me and my teammates over, American teammates, uh, for for dinner on Sundays. So it's nice when you you come across people like that when you're far from home and they just like, not that I don't cook myself, but you know, just to have a meal with a family. So there have been, been generous and kind people every time I've been overseas somewhere. So that was nice. But yeah, social life, I'm not, I didn't do much. (laughs) Yeah. Let's digress a little bit. I want to touch on something that you said, um, in the last, um, last time we talked, uh, about knowing your, worth and knowing that you're good and that you're good enough is that something that um you developed over time and was there something that helped you develop that um inner knowledge and confidence or were you kind of like always like that I think I I was just always like that to be honest my mom's the strongest woman I know really the strongest person I know and I've seen her go through things in life and um, yeah, I think just when you see somebody who exudes strength and confidence that it can rub off on you. And my parents were very loving to us and spoke positivity into our lives and encouraged us to do things and, um, and believe in ourselves. And I think playing, playing sports, like, starting at a young age and because really all of my siblings and myself, like we just had some natural abilities as children. So when you're playing sports and it's a competitive environment, I I don't know a lot of people who, who play basketball and thrive in it and they're not confident people mm-hmm. or like, you know, because you have to believe that mm-hmm. you're good and that you're better than somebody that you're going up against. Mm-hmm. You can't be out there, you know, being meek and unsure um so it's it's that's never just 
been my personality. I've always been outspoken and confident. So maybe sports help with that. And maybe it was just, maybe it was just my family. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. All right. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Um, kind of like talking about uh, team and being on a new team and just uh, all those like ingredients of a great team. Like what, what makes a great team? What makes the team win and perform well? What makes a great team and what makes a team what? Uh, win and perform well. Uh, um, I think... Hmm. I think, like, probably no matter what sport you're in and no matter the level, like, there has to be some level of, like, trust among, amongst the team members, um, you know, like, to believe that other people are going to do the things that they need to do, like whether you all are all together or not around, but, you know, work on your individual game, uh, work hard when we come together as a group, um, trust the, in other people's abilities, like trust the coach and what they bring to the table. Um, I think team chemistry is a big part. Like, I don't think all successful teams probably have players that, like they may have not been friends, And they may have not gotten along that great on the court, but I think there was probably a respect and enough of a chemistry when you play with people for their, for you all to get to reach like a, a certain level of success. Um, so for me, all of the successful teams that I've been on, there's been like a, a very good energy. People worked hard. People challenged one another. I think that's another thing, challenging people and holding them accountable. Um, you know what? That's probably one of the most, That's probably the most important. So I changed my answer. <laughs> having having accountability, and that's like not just from the coach down, but within. Like when the coaches aren't around, is there accountability? Like in the locker room, when other people aren't around, because uh, if you don't have that, then I think you don't go very far. Because then everybody's just doing what they want to do, no matter how it affects other people, how it affects the team. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? How do you hold someone accountable? I think like the same way that you probably have to in your corporate job, like if somebody isn't holding up their end of what they're supposed to do for a project, then it's like, hey, where's this? You're supposed to have this done. Um, so like in basketball, somebody didn't do something on the court, but you all like practice a certain way. It's like, hey, why weren't you right there where you were supposed to be? Like we've gone over this several times. This is what you're supposed to do. Um, so, I mean, at certain levels, that's how it goes on the court. And then, you know, off the court, mm, I think in professional sports, it's a little different, but I know when I was in college, um, because so much was done as a team um, and like we were together so much more than like our teams in, in the league that you wanted to make sure that people were focused on and off the court because we also had schools. So people had to be doing the right things and making sure that they're showing up to tutorials or study hall or wherever they're supposed to be, like be there on time because the whole team is held accountable for your actions if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a little different in college in that, in that regard because you had a whole other aspect, you know, school mm -hmm. involved in, in the pros. It's not like that. 
Yeah, but I think uh, building that culture and stressing all the time that it's a team effort, it's not an individual effort, is probably um, something that helps with that uh, culture of accountability. Yeah, for sure. And how do you build trust and develop trust? Mm. How do you build trust? Mm. I think by like doing what you say you're going to do, um, showing that you're invested, not just saying it. I think that usually helps. Um, you know, in sports and just in people's regular life, you're not going to trust somebody if they're, you know, like telling you one thing but showing you something else. So, I think it, it's it's kind of the same. Yeah, I I totally agree. I I know what you mean. Um, so everybody uh, who's ever been to a live game or watched it on TV, the one at the end of the game, like one team loses, one team wins, right? And like, what happens after that? Like, as you go into your locker room, like, what's like what's happening? Like, what's the vibe? Like, whether like let's say if uh if a game is lost and like if a game is won like what mm-hmm. what what is it like can you describe uh, i don't know the feelings or like what's happening well i think it depends on like what part of the season it's in you know if it's early in the season you might not be like so stressed or upset about it because you have a long way to go and it doesn't define you but it could also be the same about getting a big win early in the season. Like it can be a good thing, but it also doesn't define you. It can give you confidence. Um, but yeah, after a game, you, you lose and go into the locker room and before the coach gets in there, the players are kind of evaluating for themselves. Like, what did we not do well? Like, did we play? well and do what we are supposed to do and we just lost because they played better than us or did we not do the things that we were supposed to do did we not have energy or give effort and we lost because then that looks and feels a little different and you know if you're winning late in the season then you know that can feel great if especially if you're you're on a roll and you all are finally feeling like a cohesive group and you're doing the things that you're practicing and you're doing them effectively in the games, then it feels good to know, okay, we put this plan into place. We went out and did it and executed it and we won. So it gives the team confidence in like what the coaches are saying to do. And you also build trust that way because you see that what they were saying to do was effective. Um, so yeah, there, there can be a lot of, <laughs> a lot of different feelings. Um, but like one of the biggest things in professional sports and even in, in college probably is just you never get too high and you never get too low. You got to stay like even kill. Mm. Yeah, it sounds a lot like a, um, like we do um, a two-week sprint. Like that's how we uh, schedule oh, yeah. our work. And then at mm-hmm. the end of every sprint, we do a retrospective where we – just say like, okay, like what worked well, what didn't work well, what you would do differently. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of very much like that. It reminds yeah. me of that. All right. So WNBA and league, 
How did that come about? Um, I just remember they they offer like a few different opportunities for internships or apprenticeships, and um, there's like a Harvard Business Program that some that some players have done over the past few years, and the Microsoft Leap opportunity was this was the first year for that, and yeah, it just seemed like something different. I think that's why the players that were part of it did it. Um, because it was an opportunity to experience corporate, like a different a different kind of job other than basketball, and being at Microsoft, you know, in our minds sounded like something cool and something uh, like an experience we would learn from. So I didn't sign up for it until like pretty late, actually, um, because I didn't know like what plans I would have after the season. And then I decided, you know, this would be something something I could learn from and, you know, possibly network, meet some people and have some contacts for later on in life um, whenever I'm done with basketball. So that was, that was my mindset going mm-hmm. into it. And most of our listeners, which is not a ton, I talk about it, like there are <laughs> thousands of people, but we're like early in a podcasting journey. So <laughs> it's like friends and family and mom pretty much yeah. but um most of our listeners <laughs> are probably familiar with leap and what that is but for those who aren't can you give a context of what leap is mm, so it was an apprentice program that we were a part of um and the WNBA cohort was the first of its of its kind i think they're possibly going to have another professional team coming in soon um but yeah we were like the the pilot program for professional athletes and we got a chance to um three of us were in the program management track and then one other girl was doing software engineering and yeah it was like a classroom session when we were in redmond on campus at microsoft and we spent about a month there and because of our like training and uh, like need to be back home, like still pursuing uh, like our basketball, our basketball stuff. They allowed us to like do the rest of the time remotely. Um, So we kept in touch with our managers and we're introduced to other people. We have mentors. Obviously this is what, what you were doing for me. And uh, yeah, just trying to work on the projects that they gave us. Each of us had, something different that the manager instructed for us and it was just a cool learning experience to see how how things are are done or how approach project um is worked on at microsoft and yeah just a first-hand look at what you would actually be doing if you were working there mm-hmm. so what um team were you part of and like what have you been working on um azure and yeah my, this is the last day, but my project was um, to think about what it would take to bring a Microsoft presence to Houston or like, what did I think it would take? And so my manager put me in touch with other team members and um, yeah, they kind of just helped me flesh that out and see what it might look like when we have to go into it. Mm-hmm. What's been the most surprising part of your experience at Microsoft? Um, I think 
I mean, it's not super surprising, but it was nice to see that the people there were very generous with their generous with their time. Like, I'm sure everybody there is super busy, but while we were on campus, a lot of people came and spoke to us, gave us advice, and um, even like invited us into their homes with their families. So, I think seeing the the generosity and the friendliness um, was was very comforting. I agree. I totally agree. I have um, had and have the same experience. And I think actually a lot of people that I talk to repeat that sentiment. And for me as well, like um, every time I reach out to someone who like I don't even know in person and just ask them for help or advice, people are always willing to help. And it's always Mm -hmm. like a nice surprise. But yeah, I, I totally agree. It's very much like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like you got a taste of what corporate life is like? And is that something that you're considering for yourself in the future? Maybe maybe far in the future. <laughs> it would probably have to be something similar to, to Microsoft or something like that. I don't see myself being in a job where I'm like confined to a desk and it's just like other desks and cubicles around me. I don't think that just like fits me. But mm-hmm. Microsoft was a a cool educational learning environment. By cool, I mean like just the look of things around there with the architecture and even inside of the buildings. Um, you're at work, but you also feel like inspired by the colors and there are like areas where people are playing ping pong or other games like there's chess and shuffleboard. Um yeah, so it was a space that kind of gave you some energy. You know, you could walk outside of your office and um, take a break for a second and go back in. Um, so it's nice to hear that from your perspective, because I think people, after working in an office like that for so long, just get used to it and take it like completely for granted and just like as right a given. Uh, and probably don't even like utilize it as much because mm-hmm. it's not as novel anymore but right. it's n- nice to hear it like from your perspective and yeah. to, to gain that fresh perspective again maybe just by listening so yeah, what be appreciative you, <laughs> of what you have for sure right um what did you learn from your leap experience and maybe something about yourself or the way you like to work um well, some advice that, that you gave was good. I, I think I learned from uh, from you, you were talking about knowing how you you like to, to work in certain environments or like what makes you thrive, what helps you thrive, what about an environment and taking that to whatever kind of job you might want in the future. Um, or if you were just comparing things from your past, like, well, what is it that made me enjoy that environment? And I've looked at it, like I've known what I've liked about basketball teams I've been on, but I've never thought about taking those things, those aspects and taking them to a job that wasn't involving basketball anymore. So I'd say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, I was just thinking about it um, recently as well. And just to expand on that, that, um, learning about yourself in a sense like 
do you like to have a lot of structure and like very defined work scope as in like Mm -hmm. knowing exactly what you need to do versus uh, working in an ambiguous environment where like the scope is not defined and kind of like taking it and running with it and figuring it out like this is like a very major difference and again like the job title is the same but what I call nature of work is very different so you can have like um, the same job title but in two very different teams that have very different work environments but the job title is the same right so maybe again like you thrive on one type of team or like Mm -hmm. in one type of environment uh, let's say like very structured or like opposite, very ambiguous and you don't um, um, work very well because that's not how you like to work. That's not what helps you thrive and like bring in that energy to work. Um, and you may not like succeed on that type of team or like that type of work environment, but the job title is the same. And I think a lot of the times people, if they do uh, happen to go through that experience of like not thriving, not succeeding in a certain environment, they take it as like, oh, this job is not the right job for me. But it's all about um, learning how you like to work, uh, what brings you energy, what helps you thrive, and finding all those ingredients in a team, in a job, in a company that, um, again, like you're looking for, but like figuring out, like, do they have all those things uh, or like most of those things that help me work, do, do my best work. Do you, do you think that you always factored that in? I know you're the one asking the question, but did you always <laughs> factor that, that in when you were like switching jobs? Like the No, not at all. I actually learned it maybe as of um, approximately, I would say two years ago. And I learned it from, or not from, but like, it was the other person. Her name is uh, Nancy Munir. She works at Microsoft. I consider her uh, my mentor or one of my mentors as well. Mm-hmm. And she's also one of the people who, uh, like, just very nice uh, when um, I reached out to her for help and for advice, right? And um, she connected me with someone else who, like, again, didn't know me, but also made time for me. And I le- learned, uh, like, really good advice uh, from her as well, um, Marjorie Thibodeau. And like all these podcasts is sharing all that advice um, that I learned from other people that helped me to get to where I am now, right? Um, but like this is the purpose of this podcast. But it was Nancy, it was a conversation with Nancy that um, we were talking about um, a team that I was on that, um, again, like, uh, we can call it a failure, right? Or we can call it, uh, again, it's just like, wasn't the right fit for me. And she helped me understand that, that it's like, mm-hmm. I work well in in an environment where I have a lot of autonomy and trust to like um, take things and run with them and like figure things out. And I don't work very well in a team that, um, where I'm in the implementation role, right? Where like someone else figured everything and I am just being told what to do to go implement it, right? And that's like such a major insight. So the job title is the same, 
the work environment yeah. is very different, right? So it's mm-hmm. a matter of finding a team and the environment and the company. And, um, and that could be, again, like it could be different industries, could be different jobs. Uh, but like if you are switching jobs or careers or industries is figuring out, again, like if you go through that type of experience, you may make a conclusion that like, oh, this industry is not for me or like this job is not for me or like this team is not for me or this company is not for me. But mm-hmm. it's actually, it's the work environment. It's like the nature of work that is probably not the right fit for you. So it mm-hmm. could be like the same thing, but just in a different work environment and you could thrive and succeed. And it's like learning these things about yourself and trying to find them in, in a team that you want to join. Like, I think it's the same uh, thing that you were talking about last time when you were saying like, maybe like this coach style, like they don't think like my style is something like not working for them. Right. But it's, it's literally, it's like, it's the work environment. It's the team environment, right? Like you thrive on one and you don't on the other. And it's like, what, like you're the same person, like, right? What's the like, difference? You have the right. same skill. Um, right. So it's a matter it's of everything around you. Yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, transferable skills and what other jobs have you had? Mm, my other job was coaching at Rice University in Houston. So still basketball related. Mm-hmm. And but as you, yeah. I've been a graduate assistant. Like this wasn't a, an official job, but I was a graduate assistant at the university where I played. And then I was a video coordinator there. So that was my first job. Um, but uh, yeah, all of them still still involved basketball. So as you think about um, that work and being a professional basketball player and your corporate experience, um, how do you look at like what skills that you bring in from like, professional sports and from coaching uh, are transferable to the like, corporate job environment? Um, I think being able to work in a team well. Mm. Such an important having, skill. Yeah. Um, but also, like, like having having ideas and being confident and um, vocalizing those, but also being, like, a willing follower. So... Wanting to lead and being able to lead, but still being able to follow or uh, what else? Um, yeah, being around because of I think the kind of the kind of staff that I was around or uh, being able to to express your ideas freely, not being in an environment where it's like, all right. It's what one person says, and that's it. No feedback is wanted or required. So keep it to yourself. Um, and then I've been in other environments where you kind of see, okay, the person in charge doesn't really get let other people speak as much. So navigating both environments, um, it helps, I think, just to, to see how things are done in, in both. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think this is all like uh transferable, helpful experience. 
like no matter the again no matter the previous experience no matter the mm-hmm. background there's everything that you can bring into any and every job um what lessons have you learned from your coaching experience and um what advice would you give to someone in a corporate environment about coaching and working with other people mm-hmm. mm. I think for coaching, I learned how to like vocalize and teach better, I think. Well, not vocalize, but how to, how to teach better. I think you sometimes when you've been doing something for a long time and you're good at it, trying to explain it to someone else who doesn't get it, you might not always have the words because it's this thing that just feels like second nature to you now. You're like, what, what do you mean you don't get, why don't you get this? And then needing to teach it to somebody, then you learn whether or not you really like know something mm. if you can say it. Um, yeah, so I think that that was a that was a one thing that I took from that. One thing I learned, and you said, what would I tell someone in a corporate environment who was gonna who was gonna have to teach? I mean, who was gonna have to coach? Just in general, I think like uh, working with people is something that we have to do like in any job right like mm-hmm. what what advice um that you would give to someone that oh. you have learned from your coaching experience about working with people oh well i think also to be like respectful and kind to people no matter like the results of what's going on around you like if people are doing their best and they're trying hard they're bringing effort and positivity and you and you still might like in my first year we lost a lot of games but it wasn't because the kids weren't working hard it's not that the coaches weren't working hard we were doing we felt pretty much everything in our power things just weren't coming together and then the next season our record was tremendously better um and we like won a championship in one of the tournaments one of like the postseason tournaments so like things can change quickly over a year but for me I always look at things like how did you treat people and how did you behave in a time when things weren't going that great um so yeah that's something I think about in every kind of like setting that I'm in that's a great advice thank you mm-hmm. so um what Everybody, again, who watches any game, uh, live or on TV, they always see coaches saying something to players. <laughs> and yeah. last time you also mentioned, as and like part of your um, in-season life routine, is that like uh, locker talk, like pep talk by coaches. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to pump up your players like when you were a coach? Yeah, well, I mean, some of it is just, like, it depends on, like, what your team has gone through, like, in practices and, like, what kind of players you have, like, what they respond to. But, like, usually in those in those post-game talks, you're reviewing what you all have practiced for the team that you're about to play and making sure that everybody still remembers because, obviously, a lot of nerves are going into the game and you want to make sure everybody's focused and on the same page. Um, and then like sometimes the inspiration will come from various things but 
you know, uh, depending on the magnitude of the game, you're, you know, if this is like in the playoffs and like that motivation, a lot of times it's like if you're players, especially at the professional level, if you're not just like motivated just because you're competing, then it's just like weird for me to be in a locker room. People like who need outside motivation to get, <laughs> Mm-hmm. to get ready because I've always just been like look this is basketball and we're competing that's the motivation itself but mm-hmm. I've had a slew of like different kind of speeches given some like biblical like David and Goliath um, we had one of those when like my team was was in college and we went and won like this really big game so people were pumped up about that and then some are just about like how your team has been doing like you might have been in a rough patch but you know, in practice you've been killing it and working hard and you're ready to show this next team who has beaten you a couple times already but you're prepared now and you have a different edge you have a different confidence so you're ready to go face that that new challenge because every game is is different and an opportunity to win so um yeah. So tell me about the David and Goliath. So I know the the story. So what's what's the pep talk there? It's like you are like the underdog. Yeah, and you're it was playing against this. Right, mm-hmm. right. It was like we were playing Baylor in college, and this is the team that was in our conference, and we'd lost three times during the regular, well, two in the regular season, and then one in the conference tournament championship, and then we were playing them uh, in the Elite Eight. So to go to the Final Four, which is like a big deal in college basketball, and our our program had never gone in program history. So, and we were playing in Dallas, Texas, which was not that far from College Station, Texas, which is where our school was, and their school was in Waco, Texas, which isn't far from Dallas. So it was like a battle of the Texas teams for, and a lot was at stake. But we were the team that hadn't won. We really hadn't even beaten Baylor a lot in school, like program history in women's basketball. So yeah, that was the thing. Like we're the underdog. (laughs) Nobody's expecting us to win, but us and our fans out there. Um, And we got to go out like from the beginning to the end, like throwing all the rocks, throwing, (laughs) slinging everything that we got, like everything in our arsenal, we got to take it to them. And if we do that, we will come out on the right side. Yeah, so everybody was pumped for that speech. I'm getting pumped. <laughs> right, right, right. And then we won, so it was, it was nice. cool. Yeah, I need to nice. ask if they still have that. I'm that. I'll use that one if I'll ever have to use. Uh, yeah, that's that's a nice. One. Yeah, use that. Let me know how they go <laughs> in corporate world. Um, when when I was doing my leap. Uh, training so we had the same thing as like the first month is in class uh, training where we all are together all the leap apprentices and then we go on and join our respective teams mm-hmm. and um, this was my first uh, again like PM experience as I was in the PM track and um, I did the same because we had four weeks of training and every week we would be doing um, so from Monday to Friday uh, a project so on Monday we would start and on Friday we had to demo like what we've done and the next week it will be a new project, a new team, and I'll mm-hmm. be leading uh, a different team of um, our apprentices, right? Like all of us are 
would be placed like kind of like lottery wise in into different teams each week and yeah i would totally do that uh pep talk every week (laughs) with with my yeah with my uh new team speakers um and that's also that's something that i would just ask for advice from um uh, Maria Mendubur, for example, who was in the, like one of the previous lead cohorts, and I would just ask her for advice, like what should I expect, etc. And she kind of, you know, told me like it's going to be messy <laughs> because mm-hmm. people uh, don't know each other; they're just coming together, right? Like you just need to go through that like storming, norming, forming phase of like as a team. So mm-hmm. it's just you know like kind of like mentally prepare people as like in yourself, like. Yeah, it's just going to be messy. And I think um, having that talk up front uh, was also like super helpful. Or at least that was the feedback um, during the retrospective is that, yeah, it was just nice to like set those expectations for yourself is that like, yeah, like we're just starting to work together. We don't know each other. Like we don't know how everyone works. So like it was nice to to set it up up front. It's like it's going to be messy and it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, expect it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about acting. Tell us more. Um, yeah, when I was younger, it was something that, you know, like in school, you do like little plays and stuff. And my mom wanted me to act when I was younger, but I'd gotten like more sold on basketball. So I was putting my energy into that. And yeah, that's kind of just the track I stayed on. I just stayed focusing on basketball and Looking back, I probably I could have, you know, dedicated more to both. But we also didn't have like a ton of money when I was growing up, so we wouldn't have probably been able to live that lifestyle of a kid traveling and trying to act and doing all that. So I'm guessing that it worked out the way it was supposed to. But basketball still gave me some other opportunities um, that I'm super grateful for. And now, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I can pursue acting again. Mm-hmm. So where do people go find you online to just like be up to date with um, your acting and basketball and otherwise? Well, right now, just my, my Instagram, like I do little videos on there, um, just showing my, my weird thought process and um, like how I, how I see things in these like short skits and these parody videos um and then the WNBA I'm doing like a series with them right now pretty much the same thing same kind of videos that I was already doing on my page but making them geared towards basketball and WNBA specifically so my Instagram is Sid J Colson so S-Y-D-J-C-O-L-S-O-N and yeah so you'll see see my stuff on there yeah, I watched those. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that uh, WNBA series uh, come about? It's, uh, it's super cool that they support you in that endeavor and just give you like, um, you know, like online uh, space to, yeah. to express. Yeah, another it. platform. Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely cool. Um, uh, let me see real quick. I want to get her job title correct so eb jones is she works for the wnba and um like followed my regular page and she's the content and influencer strategy lead 
believe, for the WNBA. So um, she was just trying to help with, like, social media branding, I believe, and showing, like, different players and um, other aspects besides basketball. So she saw that I was doing this, and I reached out and asked if I wanted to do the same thing, which is a series that would be on the WNBA's page. And said, of course. <laughs> how many more are coming? Uh, I'm like halfway mm -hmm. done. So there will be about six more. Okay, cool. Um, so are you famous? <laughs> no, you wouldn't have to ask if I was. Like, do people recognize you on the streets? Uh, like, sometimes, but not like, not like a, a a real, real famous person, you know? Like, some people will see me and, like, do a double take, and I'm from Houston, and I live back here, so some of them, um, shoot, they could have known me from something else, like, through a friend of a friend, you know? And then you just see me again, but they're like, don't you, you do those videos? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah that's me so it's funny when it when that happens because to me they're not like a a huge deal it's just me like being silly how I always am but um yeah I guess a lot of people have the same sense of humor as me so it's cool. <laughs> and what do they say next like oh you did this videos and you're, you're like, like that yeah. yeah and I'm like yeah and they're like those are hilarious like keep it up <laughs> I'm like okay thanks I will <laughs> And then we part ways. Okay, nice. Um, <laughs> so I'm dying to ask you about your workout. So mm -hmm. can you describe us maybe like yesterday? It was like as most recent, like your workout and your nutrition so we can all go work out and eat like a WNBA player. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my workout yesterday was I was just doing some – like functional range movement that a uh, guy at the gym, one of my friends, the gym that he owns, he has um, some other people, some trainers that also, uh, they work there. And one of the guys is like big on mobility and um, not just like stretching before you practice, but doing these particular exercises that help with isolating like your shoulder strength and movement and like your hip strength and movement. So all these things he's been teaching me, I've been trying to keep working on to strengthen different parts of my body um, that I've never really focused on. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, I don't just like go in the weight room and throw weight around. I've never liked the weight room like that, but the things that they have me doing in there, I like much better. They're like more applicable to basketball movement than basketball function. So it, if someone wanted to look that up online, they should look for functional. I think they, go, I think they look up F, FRC. FRC? Yeah, I think that's what functional. he said the name is. I don't know what the C is, but um, functional range conditioning. Hmm. Um, but yeah, and then nutrition-wise, no, I I don't eat a ton of different meats anymore. Like I'll have ground turkey, mostly like salmon these days. I'll have fish, mushrooms. Um, I make a lot of like turkey and cheese sandwiches. I'll eat like peanut butter jelly sandwiches on the go, or like after workout, have like protein 
shakes or put protein powder in my shakes. Um, yeah, I eat a lot of vegetables and fruit. I am trying to drink more water. I haven't been doing well with that in the past, like, month or so. So I'm picking back up. But yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. What do you put in your morning smoothie? Um, frozen fruit and peanut butter, spinach, oats, pecans, like protein powder. Sometimes I'm, I might put orange juice. I'm trying not to drink. I used to put milk in there, but I'm trying not to drink, like consume a lot of dairy anymore. So it's either orange juice or maybe just ice or cold water. Mm. Okay, I'm writing this down. I'm going to try this tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right. Um, I really like what you said last time about how you were a little girl and you were writing in your journal that you want to be in the WNBA. And do you remember mm -hmm. how old were you? Um, I was in grades, like in elementary school, I think. Maybe I was in like around third to fifth grade. I would have to look to see what the date was on it. I think it's in like a journal of my mom in a box in her garage or something. So I got to go find it. I love it. I love it. I have like a whole yeah. wall in um, my bedroom with like sticky notes on the wall. Like I'm a big fan of visualization and just like setting that kind of like vision and goal for yourself because I don't mm -hmm. know, in, in my life, it's been like really working mm -hmm. <laughs> for me or it seems like it's uh, it's working so I'm a big fan of it so I really liked that story um so when you think about yourself like where you were uh five years ago and where you mm -hmm. are now like did is five it what you have imagined and what's maybe surprising about like the current reality um, I'm not, yeah, I know some people write down, like, five-year goals and plans. <laughs> one of my best friends and my sister, no, I think we had sat down one time to start doing it. I don't think that we ever finished, <laughs> but this was definitely before 2015, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, or I don't remember what I saw my future being I don't know that I thought I would still be playing like I didn't because I just wasn't playing a lot of minutes on teams I just didn't think that it was going to happen um, and most recently like before last season I was very okay with the idea of not playing basketball anymore because I've be become more passionate about wanting to pursue acting so I was fine if it was going to be done. I know a lot of people experience like sadness and depression when they finally stop playing, but I was totally at peace with it. Just happened to be that I I got picked up by a team, but I know I didn't think that I would be trying to act. I think I saw myself being a coach probably at this point. So I'm okay with the way the way things have turned out and if acting or basketball can go don't keep going the way, you know, I envision maybe in a few years or something I'll go back to coaching. But right now I'm okay with not with not trying to 
rush back to it. I just kind of want to see how, how things fold out as long as I have the savings and money to still do so. <laughs> okay, so uh, no five-year plan now. Just right now? Go with the flow um, or, or like uh, they always ask in interviews, you know, like where do you see yourself in five years mm-hmm. from now? Like, <laughs> Do you have an answer for that or... Yeah, I think um, it's funny because I was actually going to like tweet it. You know how people will tweet stuff. People will tweet stuff and um, like win a Grammy or something <laughs> seven years later. And then people pull that tweet back up like, wow, they said this would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> I was like, oh, well, let me try, try my luck on saying I'm, <laughs> saying I'm going to win the lottery. Let's see how that goes. So I was going to tweet that. I probably still will. And a couple mm-hmm. other things, but yeah, I think I think that, or I believe that I'll be on some show or in some movie that I will be proud to be in, and like happy my family can see that. Oh, she like put her eggs into acting, and you know something has has come of it. So, um, I don't think it's something that'll just happen right off the bat when I when I try to get, when I get into it, but. Um, I do know that I will work hard at it. So, totally, totally. Can't wait for that moment when I'm watching a movie. I was like, we talked about it five years ago. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I I follow a lot of uh, dancers on Instagram, and Mm -hmm. like their stories are full of uh, this type of stories. It's like, hey, like, because dancing is like acting, it's like you never know if you're going to naked right, right? Mm-hmm. um there's like a lot of people and like so few uh, naked to the mm-hmm. top kind of like like basketball let's say right so yeah. um but their stories like there there are a lot of stories like that that is like hey like they're in this like music video or like doing this like crazy collaboration but like where it all started like where they were like super uncertain like where it would take them and just mm-hmm. like showing to people say hey like it's it's a long journey um, it is. but kind of it it all comes to believing in yourself, right? And that hard work. And um, I always say it's fifty percent. It's all my hard work. It's all what I do because if I don't do it, nobody's gonna bring it to me on a on a plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But fifty percent is circumstance, and by that I mean it's luck of uh, just you know like having a random conversation with someone who says like, oh, like go check out this link, whatever, right? Like it could be as random as that um, Mm -hmm. because like for me, for example, the way I uh, came into the tech industry was completely random, right? I was looking for a better job. My only skill that I could leverage was fluency in Russian. So I was looking for jobs around that. And I saw this job that required um, fluency in Russian, but also um, HTML and CSS skills. And at mm-hmm. that time, I was like, I heard the word. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but I was like, I'm, I'm going to learn it because I need this job. Right. You know, and maybe it was naive, but like that naivety like really helped me. But it's, it's that 50% circumstance, right? Like for me, it was seeing that job description that uh, made me think like, oh, I want this job and I, I need these skills. Right. And like 
it was completely random, like completely random. I never thought of uh, like the tech industry or, you know, being a software engineer or being a PM, like never ever like look at my journal like six, seven years ago, right? Like <laughs> that was not on my mind at all. Um, so that's what I mean by like 50% is everything that I put in as my hard work to, again, like just work hard and like study and learn and network and go out and hustle. But 50% is circumstances. Again, like just like seeing that job description or like talking to someone and, you know, someone giving you like a good advice um, along that journey. So for me, it's kind of always like 50-50. I agree with you 100%. It's, a lot of time I think people just, you know, like you wind up, like you said, having the right conversation or just being in the right place sometimes, you know, timing and and hard work. Definitely, definitely. All right. So thank you so much. It's been so fun. I learned so much about basketball, about your leap experience. Again, kind of like just seeing it from a fresh perspective about coaching and uh, nutrition. <laughs> so, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for for having me. It was it was a pleasure talking to you, and the whole leap mentor experience was great. So thank you. Oh, thank you. So we're gonna wrap up with random rapid fire questions, which will be my signature thing <laughs> mm-hmm. on this uh, podcast. As I'm learning to do it, so um, are you ready? I am. What is your favorite Halloween costume? I'm not really like a big dress up for Halloween kind of person, but I did. I was Denzel one year from the movie Flight. And he was on drugs. So I have no idea who that is. <laughs> you got to look it up. Denzel Washington. It was a movie he was in. From a movie Flight? Yeah, the okay. movie was called Flight. Okay, Okay, I'll look it up. Um, but I'm sure it was fun. I like one time saw, because like you were, um, like a female dressed as like male character, right? Yeah. I one time saw a guy who was dressed as, uh, Serena Williams for Halloween. <laughs> like that was very funny. <laughs> like lots of people wanted to take pictures with him. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, when was the last time you were late for something? I'm sure it was recently. I just can't think of what it was. I'm a work in progress. I'm still working on my punctuality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Say a word in Spanish. Hola. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one. If you could push a button and make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products. Would you push it? On all hairstyling products? Yeah. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, that 7% might not last. But this hair is going to be crazy. No, can't do it. <laughs> Hang on, these are my random questions. Uh, I, I thought that was, was a very difficult one. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not for me. I answered that pretty quick. <laughs> All right. Um, what's for dinner tonight? 
salmon, probably Brussels sprouts or broccoli, and sweet potatoes, and like salad. Nice. That's very inspiring. I'm going to be inspired to make the same <laughs> dinner tonight. Do it. All right. Thank you so much, Sydney. This has uh, been such a pleasure. So much fun. Thank you, Ayana. Good luck on your acting careers. And again, like, uh, go follow Sydney at uh, Sid J. Colson on Instagram to watch those uh, funny videos. And, you know, can't wait to see you in your big movie. Thank you. And good luck with your David and Goliath speech. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. The next one will be about the most important skill that I use at work and in all other aspects of my daily communication every single day of my life. Spoiler, it doesn't have to do anything with universities or degrees or any formal education at all. They don't teach you this in school, but they should. But again, this is number one skill that I use at work and all of the other aspects of my daily communication every single day of my life. And I'd like to share it with you. So subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it on Spotify or web or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to, subscribe and you'll get a notification when the new episode will air. Until next time.